Okay, let's open up in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. I just had on my heart to go back into this area tonight and uh, to just uh, share some things this morning. We're on purpose and destiny. We want to pick that up. Amen. You have a purpose for your life. You know what it is? Not so many know what it is. Well, there's one person nodding. He knows what it is. Anyone here want to know what God's purpose is? Well, you'll be excited because a week after next Sunday, after next weekend, we've got Kevin. He can love Kevin. Man, just so passionate on fire. Bring all your friends. Bring them along. But the week after that, I'm going to show you how you can actually understand your purpose. And, of course, the thing is it unravels. So you won't just get it all. But I'll give you the keys of what it is you look for. And then it's up to you to do the looking and to position yourself where God can actually unfold to you what he wants you to do. If you, you see, the only one who can tell you what to do with your life is the one who made you. He knows why he made you. You might look and say, well, God, why'd you make me like this? Oh, it's horrible. You know, he said, no, it looks good to me. And uh, so, he, but he's, he's put things into our lives, you see, to express his life. And uh, so we want to learn how to connect with God and discover what we're called to do. If you don't discover what you're called to do, you'll do something else and waste your life. It's true. So I want to share with you tonight about, uh, we're going to go back into that uh, Luke chapter 15. We're in there this morning and going to end up where we, where we ended up this morning. But I want to just pick up the story here and uh, just talk about the Father's love of the, the heart God has for you. Most of the times, people's concepts of God are very limited. We, we see God, see, we, if I ask you, what is God like? Interesting, you go around and ask lots of people, what's God's like? You know, what is he like? You know, all kinds of people come up with all kinds of things. What is God like to you? And you say, well, well maybe he's a long way off, you know, and maybe he's near. Or, you see, everyone's got different ideas. So the only way we can ever discover what God is like is when we look at Jesus Christ and we have a look at how he related to people. When you see how he connected to people, oh, that's what God's like. When you see uh, how he talked to people and connected with them, oh, that's what God's like. When you see how he ministered to me, you say, whoa, that's what God's like. Pretty awesome. You know, and so the Bible tells us God was in Jesus Christ, bringing the world back to himself. But every time you see Jesus and see him working with people, you see what God is like. And not only that, if you were to look at the life of Jesus and how he interacted with people, you'd discover a lot about relationships. You'd find out that Jesus welcomed certain people in his life, and then he kept other people away from them. How about that? People who didn't respect him, he kept them at distance. People who respected him, he drew them into connection with him. There's a principle there. What you respect, uh, you draw into your life. What you disrespect, you, re- you repel from your life. It goes through every year of relationship. So let's have a look how it starts in Luke 15, verse 1 and 2. Then we'll go to the story about the Father, the, the heart of God the Father, and just the whole issue of people coming back into their destiny. And you may be somewhere here in the story. So let's just have a look at it. So when, so when the tax, then all the tax collectors, the tax collectors, <laughs> the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to hear him. Tax collectors and sinners. Tax collectors were hated because they took money off everyone. They were employed by the Roman army and they came and they just decided how much tax you should pay. So they always put their extra bit in. whole system was extremely corrupt and so the tax collectors were hated but you couldn't argue with the tax collector because you'd get his soldier friend to come and cut your fingers off. So you couldn't argue. You just had to pay the tax or, you, you know, pay the fine or do the time or something like that. You just had to do it. And uh, so, the, But it says here the tax collectors, look what they did. They did these things. They did two things. They were different to the Pharisees. Eh? They drew near to Jesus. They positioned themselves near to him, and they listened to what he had to say. They came near to him, and they listened to him. And the Bible says that if we will draw near to God, he will draw near to us. 
So this is what they did. They positioned themselves so that they could receive what God had for them. Whereas the Pharisees, by their heart attitude, actually rejected what God had for them. Pharisees were religious people. It says, notice what they complained about Jesus was. They said, this man, look at this, this man welcomes, accepts people who have failed and messed up their lives, and even sits down and eats a meal with them. And to them, that was a huge reproach. This is, now, this is the heart of God. We, we look at people and we tend to judge them by what they look like, you know. We, the ones that look really good, ooh, wow. Ooh. And the other ones that look like they're a mess. Ooh. And, so, and we're attracted to these ones and not so attracted to these ones. Jesus actually attracted all people to himself. And people who knew they had a need came to him. Say, one of the things that's kept me in God and kept me near to the Lord and kept me walking with him and kept his presence in my life is that every day I need him. And every day I draw near to hear him. You say, said the sinners drew near to hear him. So no matter who around you, maybe you've got some friends, you know what a messed up life they've got, and boy, they're into this and into that. Listen, that's exactly the ones Jesus came to. He said, the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. So Jesus came for the people who most need him. Often people who've got money don't realize they need God. They still need him, but they don't realize while they've got money uh, that how much they need him until their money fails them. Then suddenly they're in a crisis, and then often they need God. But, you know, it says here very clearly that people who were aware of their condition, people who'd sinned, people who were failures, came near to hear Jesus. But those who were religious, those who thought they're okay, well, I'm all right, don't worry about me. You know, how come these kind of people hanging out with Jesus? Anyway, what's up with him that he's hanging out with them? How can he be a prophet? How, how can this be God? See, they had no concept that God loves people. They had no concept that God made people in his own image and likeness and had a destiny that they would rule over all that he'd made. And when man fell, God did not give up on man, but it was in the heart of God to come down from heaven into the earth and to reach out and to put something back into the man he'd made, to love him and welcome him, put his spirit in him, and then raise him up and bring him back into his destiny. And God wants to do that to you. Now, I don't care how much you fail, fell over, have got issues, problems, or struggles. God wants to connect you in relationship, lift you up, and get you in a position where you're influencing people. He wants you to discover what you're called to do. He wants you to discover how he's wired you, how he's made you, what he's called you to do. You're better than you think. Tell someone, you're better than you think. You are better than you think, too. You are, you know, you probably think down, but you need to agree with what God says about you. He says he never stops thinking about you. When you get up, he thinks about you. When you go to sleep, he thinks about you. He has a plan. He has something for your life that you might look forward to the future with hope. There's no room for depression and down in our life when God says every day, I'm wanting to put my word in your heart. Every day, I'm wanting to empower you. Every day, I want to lift you up and get you looking forward to the future. That's the God we serve. Not a great God. I like a God like that. And sit up there condemning me for every mistake. You know what he says? Don't lie down there. Get up. See, the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Though we fall, though we fall. So he may go down several times. But the Lord reaches down and upholds him, gets him back up again. Righteous falls seven times, but the Lord lifts him up and gets him going again. I like God like that. He can be my friend. 
I like a God who's like that. And this is what Jesus came to do. Break down all the religious nonsense. Get people to understand what God is like. What is God like? I hope when people see you, they see a little bit about what God is like. Because that's what you're made for. You're not made to carry sin around so they see what sin's like. We're made not to carry depression around so people see what depression's like. We're made to carry the spirit and presence of God so people know what God is like. That's what we're made for. And if you don't understand that, you'll abuse your life and abuse your opportunities. Should you do that, then you need to draw near to him and hear what he has to say. You say, you're better than that. You're better than that. You're better than that. You are better than that. Maybe you've fallen down some kind of stuff and things you're ashamed of. You're better than that. You're better than that. You need to know that. You're better than that. Maybe someone did some stuff to you and you're really ashamed of what they did to you. You're better than that. You're better than that. God will lift you up. God will lift you up and you'll be a source of help and hope to others. And so Jesus gave some parables. He began to tell stories, you know, and the stories all got a hidden meaning in it. And uh, he wanted to tell people, the first story he told was just that the one who's lost is extremely high on the priorities of God. So you're all here tonight. You all love Jesus or many of you love Jesus and some of you are not too sure what you want, where you're at. That's okay. Make a decision to draw near and hear him tonight. See? But you see, but Jesus wants to reach people, wants to touch people. So he said, that the, this is it, the priority for Jesus is the one who's lost. Yeah, now, if that's, if that's the priority of Jesus, said the Son of Man come to seek and save that which is lost. If that's God's priority, make it yours. See, if you want to walk with God, love what he loves and hate what he hates. It's not hard to walk with God and love what he loves. Yeah, hate what he hates. You know what he loves? He loves people who have failed, who wants to reach them and bring them back. So we need to love people who have messed up and, and give them grace and hope that they could come back, that they could come to God, that they could have a different life. People need to know there's a hope for a different life, a better life, the life God intended. And so then he talked about the story about a young man who'd really blown it. Really blown. Do you know anyone like that, a young man who's really blown it, or a young woman who's really blown it sometime? Do you know anyone like that? Do you think of anyone who's really messed their life up real bad? You know right now they're in a mess. Is that right? You know someone like that? You, is it? Oh, okay, is there anyone else there? <laughs> do, you, do you know anyone who's messed their life up? Do you know someone like this? Well, then you need to see then some things about the story, about the heart of God to restore him, and even when people have totally blown. Now, this reveals the, the scope of the grace and heart of God to people. This is one of the most powerful stories. I, I just love this story. He says the parable of a father who had, now they say in the Bible it's the lost son. He had two lost sons. He had one. So there's a story about a father. So this represents God as a father. This reveals what God is like as a heavenly father. He had two sons, and these sons represent what people are like. And so the first one here, the younger son, he said, the younger son said to his father, father Dad, give me what belongs to me. And he divided up his inheritance. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together. He went off to a far country. Written under nine, far country. You walk away from God, you end up in a far country. And then he wasted his possessions with wild living. Ah, had a party with all that money. Ah, got the party. And then when he'd spent all, ah, it gets bad. Uh, there arose a famine in the land, a severe famine, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. He sent him into the fields to feed the swine. That's a good word, swine. I've got that underlined in my Bible, swine. It's what happens to you when, you when you walk away from God. You end up somehow connected to swine. You know, really bad, really bad. Look at this here. It says, it says he would love to fill his stomach with the uh, corn cobs that the, that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. Then finally he came to himself. 
Okay, well, let's have a look here. And you see this, this thing is divided up naturally into this. The first is the rebellion of the young man. The rebellion of the young man. First one is he rebelled. He rebels. You want to write a few notes on this? He rebelled. His rebellion and then his ruin. Ruin follows rebellion. Now, don't you see what the young man did, what he did that was wrong? Now, this is what was in his heart. He said he wanted his own rights. Dad, I don't want you telling me what to do. That sound familiar? I don't want anyone telling me what to do. I just want you to give me the car and the money. I'm out of here. Sound a familiar story? I'm out of here. I'm sick of telling what to do. I don't want to tell what to do. So, so he demanded his rights. He rejected his father's leadership. He re- Notice this. He rejected his father's leadership. He wanted to be independent. Now, you see, the core of sin is we actually don't want God to tell us what to do. We don't want God's words. They all seem too hard for us. And we don't want God to direct our life. What we want to do is just do our thing. Trouble is many people, they say they've come to the Lord, and then they still want to do their thing. Yeah, you haven't really understood. See, we tend to think of sinning as doing real bad things, but actually sinning is just actually running our life independent of God. We don't talk to Him. We don't connect with Him. We don't look to what He says about how to run our relationships. And we just say, ah, ah, no one tells me what to do. It just sounds like a teenager, doesn't it? Eh? Don't, tell, don't tell me what to do. You're speaking on me. See, so that's what he was kind of saying, something like that. See, so he demanded his rights. He rejected his father's government. And there, was, there was pride in his life, pride and independence. He said, don't tell me what to do. I know what to do. I know what to do. Well, okay? I've seen plenty of people like that. And uh, God resists the proud, and, uh, but he gives grace to the humble. So sometimes, see, so here's the thing. The father, God is willing to just let you go and ruin your life if you want to. If you want to ruin your life, if you want to take your life and waste it, God will let you do it. Because he gave you the free will to choose what you do with your destiny. Although he's prepared a destiny, you choose whether it's yours or not. Some of you are going to choose, and, and you know it'll be hard in the first instance, and you'll find people don't understand why you do things that they don't do, and you don't do things they do. Uh, and they'll find it hard to understand how you get there, and you're in church. They'll find it hard to understand how you're not drinking, not doing some of the stuff they're doing, but you're a man of destiny. You're a woman of destiny. You know where you're going. You've got something great ahead of you. may look tough at the beginning, but on the way, as, the, as you follow that route, it'll look clearer and clearer and clearer. You've chosen a good path. See, you don't see the good path at the beginning. What happens, you see the fruit of it after you've walked the path for a while. And then the further down you've walked, then the better and better and better it looks. So it says the path of the righteous like a shining light. shines brighter and brighter. So when you walk with God, your life just gets better and better and better. And then people start to notice, whoa, you seem to have things together. How did that happen? Simple. You can walk with God. See, so, to, so the young man, so the first thing is rebellion. Don't tell me what to do, God. I, I'll do my own thing, thank you very much. And uh, so, the, so he takes off. He's just off. He's off out to do so. The next thing he sees ruin. Now look at this. It says, he journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted what he had with, uh, with his wild living. So here's, I want to share with you a few things that happen when you say no to God, and you say, I'm running my life my own way. Now some or all of these may have happened to you. Uh, you may recognize that. Number one is distance, far country. Notice he's a long way away from the presence to God. He just doesn't feel God. He's nowhere near God. Loss of his money. You notice when people don't walk with God, they get real wild with their dough. Their dough just flows away from them. One of the things when you walk with God, and we'll be talking about that this year, is God wants you to learn how to handle your money because your money's your life in a tangible form. You need to learn how to manage it right. Make it work for you. Notice the next thing is he lost his character. When you walk away from God, do stuff you're ashamed of. His character went down. Here he is, a child of God. Now he's out there doing stuff, wild living. He was uh, involved in sexual relations, involved in partying, involved in drugs, involved with all kinds. He's just trying everything. 
I'm going to do what I want to do. And, see, and so you find he's lost his character. He lost his respect. You lose your self-respect. Listen, when you abuse yourself, when you do things you're not called to do with your life, what happens is your own esteem goes down. Any young woman sleeps with a guy, next day you feel bad about yourself. You know why you feel bad? Because you've actually abused the purpose you were created for. That's why you feel so bad. See? So you're created for holiness. You're created to carry the Spirit of God. You're created to be a covenant person that has one man in your life. And when you don't do that, then you'll feel shame. And rightly, you should feel shame. You don't want what's wrong. So fill up with alcohol and have another one-night stand, and then it gets worse until in the end you fill with despair. You see, this is what happened to this young man. It just got worse and worse for him. His character went down. His self-respect went down. And you notice here it said he wasted his money. Then when he'd spent everything, he began to be in want. You know, people who have walked away from God are always dissatisfied. They're always looking for something, looking for the next buzz, next high, next party, next deal. See, when you walk with God, you learn how to become satisfied inside. I am extremely satisfied. Yes, I'm so happy with God. See, and that's it's a that's an amazing thing to have that contentment in your heart. When you have a look at others, they, they're still looking for something that'll make them happy. I gotta have it. They see the adverted advertising. I have an iPod. Yes, I gotta have it. I got to, I got to, I got to. I, oh, I've got it. And then it's, then, oh, there's a later model. I got to have it. I got to have it. See, you understand, that thing goes on everywhere. Dissatisfaction, continued wanting, continued lack. Continued feeling like no matter what I've got, it is never, never enough. That's what a life independent of God is like. But a life-fulfilling purpose, oh, what a difference that is. They're too busy doing what God called them to do to be thinking about where the lacks are. Their only lacks are, uh, how can I get the resources I need to get my vision fulfilled? Come on. Come on, it's a different kind of life. And God wants you to have that kind of life. You've got to be a focused person, know where you're going. But this is the road to ruin this man when you walk away from God. Because when you walk away from God, you walk away from the source of purpose and destiny. And now you just don't know where you're going, you're off the track. So what else happens to him here? A loss of relationships. Everyone left him. He, so in the end, he came and he joined himself to a citizen of that country. He ended up in bondage and hard labor to something. See, he joined himself. Instead of being joined to the Lord, instead of being joined to his dad, instead of being joined to God, now he's out and he's joined to things you shouldn't be joined to. Some of you here tonight are joined to things you should not be joined to. It means bonded or linked or connected. He, he joined himself to someone from a far country. He didn't belong out there. This, this is a son of the father. He shouldn't be out there doing that kind of stuff. He shouldn't be there. He doesn't belong there. But there he is. And he's out there. He's in the Bible says in a state of death. My son was dead. My son was lost. He, he's lost. Empty. Man, I, have you ever walked down the street and see how lost people are? Look in their eyes. The vacant look. Young people, look at your friends and see just how empty they are. Have a look. See it. Discern it. The emptiness. They can't be fulfilled. And you listen to the, the way they talk. And that they're looking at us and what they're looking forward to. They're looking forward to the next party next weekend. You, they can't even see the purpose of why they're at school. Can't see the purpose of why they're getting it. Can't connect what they're doing to a destiny or a future. It's all about the next high, the next buzz, the next fix, the next sleep with someone, next something else. See, there's an emptiness and a lack and a ruin in all of that. And this is what the Bible tells us sin does to us. It's a state of lostness. And notice no one cared for him. When people are walked away from God, they all have the feeling, nobody cares about me. Nobody cares about me. You, you talk to people. Who cares for you? Huh? Huh? Never even thought about it. There's just a lack of that kind of care. And, and so he's, he's absolutely desperate. And he's in a state of confusion. And he has lost all sense of direction and purpose. Now that 
situation there with that young man describes exactly some of your friends. Lost their character, confusion, no sense of purpose, no connection with God, no real relationships, a sense of emptiness in their life and struggling. That's sin. That's what sin does to people. And remember, sin isn't just doing the bad stuff. Sin is actually when we walk away from the purpose and call of God in our life, when we walk away from our destiny. And so so what happens? Finally, he came to himself. Now, here we see the next stage, and here's the part of repentance. He came to himself. That's an interesting statement. He came to his senses. So if he came to his senses, what was he like before that? He was crazy. He was crazy. He's just out doing stuff and abusing. And her. You ever seen, you know, some young people, they go to parties on the weekend, fill up with booze and then chuck up, and that's had a good weekend. Is that crazy or what? That's got to be crazy. That's out of their mind. What do you think you're doing? I mean, what was in your mind when you did that? Craziness. So this man came to his senses. After he was far enough down, he's in enough pain, he, he comes out of this crazy stage and he begins to reflect on himself. And you see, often until people reflect on their life, they never really see how crazy it is. Sometimes it, it, it's a good thing for us to just stop and reflect, where am I going? What am I doing with my life? And he got one of it. Where am I going? What am I doing? That's reflecting. Have a think about your life. Have a think about your relationships. Have a think about what's happening in your life. Think about it. Don't get so busy. See, a lot of kids in a frantic world, they're all on a fast lane, fast buzz, but they're fast because they don't want to stop and reflect because when they stop and reflect, empty. Quick, have another party, fill it up, make more noise. Empty. Yeah, some of you know what it's like to go home, shut the bedroom door, and the emptiness and loneliness is all there. No one's there except you and yourself. And that's when you become aware of being empty. And that's what sin does. He's just like that. He come to himself, and this is what he did. He reflected on his condition, and then he began to think about the goodness of God. Now, this man, of course, remembered what his father was like. He'd had an experience of the father, but there's a lot of your friends, a lot of your friends, listen to this. A lot of your friends have never experienced how good God is. So they can't remember what God is like. They have to have an experience of what he's like, and they usually get it through you. They see your kindness. They see your serving. They see your helping them. They see your heart towards them. They see you're different, and they begin to be stirred with dissatisfaction. As he remembered, you know, when we remember, emotions begin to come back. He began to reflect on what, God, what his father was like. He began to reflect on the father's house. And then he looked at his condition and said, man, this is bad. I'm in a mess here. I've got to do something. And so you notice here's the pathway. He remembered his father's goodness. He considered his condition of pain and sorrow. And then he humbled himself. He humbled himself. Now, this is the path back to God. Very, very simple path. Number one, he decided to return. He just made a decision. I'm going to go back. I'm going to make a decision to go back to my father. That's the, no one can make that decision uh, except a person who's decided, I'm in a mess, I need to do something. He made a decision, I'm going to go back to the father. That's the second thing he did. He decided to acknowledge his sin. Also, he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's servants got heaps of to spare? And I'm perishing with hunger. I'll arise and go to my father and say, Father, I sinned against heaven and against you. So you know what he did? He decided he'd return. He decided that he would acknowledge where he'd, run, where he'd messed up. 
If you're going to walk with God, you've got to acknowledge where you've messed up. You've got to be up front. I ask, I've been amazed when I lead people in any part of the same thing. When you get people and, and they, they, they know they're in a mess and they want God, you know, that's how reluctant they are to say, I have sinned. What I did was wrong. Boy, it's hard to get anyone to say that. But that's the path back. That's the path back. He said, I've sinned against heaven because all sins firstly against God. Then we sin against people and mess up our relationships. So the first thing, you've got to be aware, you've got to make a decision. I'm going back to, my, I'm going back to the Father. I'm going back to God. Okay? And I'm going to tell them, I have sinned. I have really messed up. Now notice what else he decided to do. He said he's going to let go of his rights. He acknowledged his sin. He said, I'm not going to try and become a son. He said, I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Make me a servant. He said, no, I've given up my rights for anything. I'm just coming back. I'm no longer the proud and, and haughty young fellow that thought he was going to crack the world. I'm coming back broken. And all I want is to be in the father's house. There's no demands. No more demanding my rights. I'm here. Look, I'm just willing to serve. Now, what a spirit. What a heart. That's what the heart of repentance is. A lot of people don't know what repentance is. They just say, I'm sorry because they're a bit, a bit of pain. But that's not repentance. Lots of people get sorry when they get caught. Or they say, I didn't do anything wrong. A lot of that in the papers. Eh? But, but you see, you see, sorry, to be sorry, yeah, of course you're sorry. Sorry when you go into court. Everyone's sorry when they turn up in court. That doesn't mean you're repentant. He repented. He made the decision, I will humble myself. I'll go back to my father and I will fully acknowledge I have sinned. I've done wrong. I've done wrong against God. I've done wrong against you. And I deserve nothing. What I'm asking is, you just bring me back into your house. And I'd like to even be positioned where I can serve. Now, remember, he didn't want to serve before. Now he's willing to serve. What a change in countenance. You see, a lot of people haven't understood that. A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of believers haven't got a hold of that, that when we come back to God, we come back, and we're grateful at being taken back into the Father's house. We're grateful just to be there, and we're willing to do anything. Now, you want to have success? You want to have a repentant heart that says, I'm willing to do anything I'm asked to do. I'm not coming here with some haughty demands of anything. You just roll up and say, what can I do? I'm willing to be a servant. You know what a servant does? A servant says, what can I do? Is there anything around here I can do? Pick up, clean up afterwards? Yeah, I'll clean up afterwards. Uh, yeah, clean up the mess? Yeah, I'll clean up the mess. Get the meals ready? I'll get the meals ready. Uh, can I, I need to do some stuff over here. Uh, tidying up? Yeah, I'm happy to do that. See, what he, he come back and he says, you just tell me what to do. I'm willing to do it. That's what a repentant heart is. Now, very few people have that. They come back and they still want everything. Okay? You see, the heart, the heart that God loves, the broken and the contrite heart, is the heart that says, Father, I'm just glad to be in the household again. And whatever you want, I, I'm, I'm just willing to receive that. There's no demands in that sense. That's a broken and a contrite heart. And the, the, the Bible says God will never despise that. He'll never despise it. He loves a, a broken and a contrite heart. But you see, what happens is we come back and we're sad because we're in a mess and we want to try and con God into helping us out somewhere. That doesn't work. You can't do that to God. Okay? So, so the son came back. He's truly repentant. He came back. How did the father receive him? You see, now you see the restoration. So what he's going to do is acknowledge his guilt, just ask for an opportunity to serve. And when he's still a long way off, his father saw him and had compassion for him, ran and fell on him and hugged him and kissed him. Now this is the heart of God. When he sees a sinner repenting, he runs towards you. Now notice what the Bible says. Draw near to God and he will 
draw near to you. Now the young man drew near. How did he draw near? He drew near with a changed heart attitude. He drew near with repentance. He drew near with honesty. He drew near with no demands. He drew near reaching out to acknowledge he's still my dad. Father. That's what God wants you to understand. He's a father. The father saw that, is deeply moved. Anyone who looks at that for a moment can see the father had tremendous grief over the son that was lost. The father was longing for the restoration and the father couldn't wait to run out and welcome him and greet him and draw him in. Now, I want you to see that the heart of the father is just to welcome the son home. Now whatever you've been into, you're not beyond the reach of God. Whatever's been happening in your life, you're not beyond the reach of God. See, all it requires is that you actually come to him with the right attitude. And this is what this young man did, and he was totally restored. Now, I want you to see, I'll share it again. We'll just remind you and then finish up here of what the father did. So the father said, Zip, stop. I don't want my son to be a slave in the house because my plan for you is sonship. And so he said, bring him a robe, the, long, the principal robe, the first robe. Bring him that robe that acknowledges his value and status in the home. And they put, put this robe over him. The Bible tells us when you come with a repentant heart, God clothes you with righteousness or right standing. When we are repentant and lean on the Lord, he clothes us with righteousness. We can come into his presence and stand there and not be ashamed of what we're like. He covers and cleans the sin. Then he gave them the ring. We talked about the ring this morning. The ring was a gold signet ring with a seal on it. And when you put that seal on something, the father would honor that. It was a sign of authority. It was a sign he was given room to represent the father. Because the father doesn't want his family to be slaves. He wants you and me to be sons who know how to represent him. How to represent him. How to represent him. And so the Bible tells us you were sealed with the Holy Ghost to promise. He puts his spirit in you. So everywhere you go. Now, you don't have, a ring, you don't have a, a ring like this gold one I got on my hand here. Well, God gives you something better than that. He puts his spirit into your heart. You get the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And everywhere you go, you've got the Holy Ghost, the stamp of God on your life, the mark of God. What makes you different? The Holy Ghost. Coming to church make you different? No, no, no. The Holy Ghost makes you different. What makes you different? Oh, the Holy Ghost. What makes you different? It's the Holy Ghost. What makes you different? It's the presence of God. The Holy Ghost. What makes you different? Oh, the Holy Ghost. See, Moses knew it. He said, oh, how are we ever going to be known that we're different unless the presence of God, the Holy Ghost is on us. See, you need the Holy Ghost. If you're not filled with the Spirit, you need to get filled with the Holy Ghost tonight. And then every day, get up and pray and stay full of the Holy Ghost. How will people know you're different? Full of the Holy Ghost, directed by the Spirit of the Lord. Got some purpose in your life. And when you pray, God puts his stamp on it and something happens. See, a lot of people pray, nothing happens. No stamp of God there. It costs you something to keep that stamp, that ring on your finger. costs you something, but I tell you all oh, the joy of it. When you lay hands on something and God answers your prayer. You got the seal of sonship there. See? Jesus was approved by miracles, signs, and wonders. You know how a person stands out? They got the sign of God's favor on their life. Whatever you put your hand on seems to have God's touch on it. And that's what God wants you to have. He wants you to have the touch of God. 
Hey, Daniel had the touch of God, and he excelled in his studies. He was ten times smarter than everyone. How did he get ten times smarter? Had the Holy Ghost on his life. He didn't have a higher IQ. He had, had the Holy Ghost helping him. The seal of God, the Holy Ghost. Oh, we can talk about that. Well, let's just, just finish with the last one here. He finally put shoes on his feet. We shared with you this morning that when people were in slavery, they took the shoes off and so they couldn't run away, running away in the sand. <laughs> And they couldn't do that, see? so they'd have to stay there. See? And so what they do when the person was set free, then they would they'd give them the sandals back again, you know. And uh, then they got the sandals, and the Bible tells us that our feet are to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, meaning we are in our walk, our daily life, to bring God to people. That's what we're called to do. What a beautiful thing. Here's a young man, ruined his life, and God restores him, lifts him up, puts him into a place of sonship, works through him to impact others. Now, no wonder the gospel is good news. No wonder it's good news. Now, that's good news. You've messed up. God can take you back, lift you up, put the stamp of his seal on you. And when you pray for people, demons move off them. When you pray for sick, then something changes in their life. When you start to talk, people feel the difference. Oh, that's worth it, mate. That's worth it. Oh, that's worth it. You know, I remember the years without the Holy Ghost, had a different kind of spirit. You drink up and boy, people know that you've got something on you. It's not all good though. The next day it's worse. But I only got the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, Spirit of the living God, God's stamp on your life. The other son, the other brother. And see, and, and see he wants to celebrate. Now, see, the heart of God is to celebrate the changed life. So we should celebrate too. Here's the last thing, the elder brother, and this is, uh, he was angry, verse 28, he wouldn't go in. He was angry and resentful and full of rejection and full of pride. Wouldn't go in, wouldn't acknowledge his brother. What he hated, this is what he hated. I've stayed here and worked all these years, and this little twerp's gone out and wasted the dough. How could he eat good treatment like this? He was very upset. You see, he didn't understand the heart of God. See? And so the father went out and listened to him. The father entreated him. Son, all while you were here, you had every right. You had, now listen. While you were in the house, you had the privilege of being able to access everything you needed, but you never understood my heart and never took hold of it. This elder brother is like many Christians coming in and out to church. They love God, but they don't understand the heart of God to give to you and bless you and work through you so you can represent him. Then we look at others who have that blessing and get envious and a bit resentful. And You notice the attitude he said, oh, he said, you know, I've served all this time. I've kept my life. I haven't run off like this wild young fella here. I haven't messed my life up like that. See, full of pride and self-righteousness. And, and he said, I, I, you never gave to me and this young wretched boy of yours. You know, he didn't even acknowledge he's his brother. And the father said, listen, son, while you're here in the house, everything was yours. We said, it's right to celebrate this young man coming back. It's right to do it. It's right to celebrate. And I'm not going to stop celebrating because you've got an attitude. See, the heart of God, tremendous heart of God, is to bring people back to himself. Hey? To bring people back to himself. So where are you in the story? Hey? Where are you in the story? Your brother was dead and alive again, is lost and found. And uh, the greatest joy that you can have is to see a sinner truly repent and come back into relation with God. Now listen, if you don't understand how important that is to God, you don't really know the heart of God. If you don't feel something when, when, when a person is responding to Christ, you're out of touch with the heart of God. 
when a young person puts a hand up and you look at them and you say, oh, I know them. You don't understand the heart of God. The heart of God is that those who don't know him come to him. And he's called you, once you've come to him, to have authority in your life, status in your life, and to represent him and be a part of this process of harvest. Why don't we just bow our heads right now? Father, we just thank you for the great call on our lives. We thank you, Lord, for the immense love you have for us. We are loved by God. Musicians like to come on up. We're loved by God. We're loved by God. What a, what a father. See how, what love the father has bestowed on us that we should be called as sons and daughters. Whoa. Oh, father, we love you. Father, we love you. Father, we love you. And we thank you love us. I just wonder tonight, as I've shared that story of the prodigal son, I wonder how many of you, as I start to talk about that path of independence, that path of doing our own thing. I have seen so many people and they've come to church for a little while and then they left the house of God. They left God's family. They went off on their own and all the things that happened would break your heart. It would break your heart if I share with you some of the things I've seen and we've experienced over the years with people who walked away from God. But every day, God's looking for you to come back. I just wonder tonight if there are any younger people, older people, middle-aged, any person here tonight, and you are distant and separate from God, you're running your life your own way, you want God to tell you something, what to do, and as, you, as I list to those things, you say, man, that's where I'm at. There's an emptiness. I've done things I'm ashamed of. I just feel so far from God. I seem to be connected to people and things I shouldn't be connected to. I've compromised in my life. Financially, I'm a mess. But whatever it is, you say, well, Lord, tonight, I believe you will receive me. And I come back to you tonight with this humble attitude. Lord, I'm going to acknowledge what I've done. I'm going to confess it to you. And I'm going to ask, Lord, that you would restore me to a place of sonship and connection and some authority I'm asking Lord that you would reposition me so I can represent you I realize I've, I'm, no long, I'm not really walking in the purpose you have for me I'm just doing my own thing I believe there's people tonight like that why don't you come up to the front and just either stand or kneel just across the front I want us just to just open our heart with honesty to the Lord Say, Lord, I need to come back to you. I need to come back to you. I need to come to you. Come tonight. Come on. Come tonight. Don't be staunch. Worry about what your friends are thinking. You know tonight you've got issues. You know tonight there's things that you're running away from God. You're running away from Him. Things you've done. Just come now. Come now. Come, come, come. Come now. Just come stand or kneel. Say, Lord, I'm coming back to you tonight. I, I, I've been feeling like you have a, there's a sense of destiny on me. I'm feeling like you're calling me. I'm not happy with my life. There's more than I have, and I, know, I want that more. Come on, there's others. People coming tonight, there's others need to come too. Don't you look at them and judge any person that's standing here. It's not been like the older brother. Let's just consider ourselves. Lord, tonight I'm coming. Tonight I'm coming. Come on, there's others need to come too. Others need to come. Just say, Lord, I need you. 
You know, the young man, what a great heart attitude he had. Father, Father, I've sinned against you. You all sin is firstly against God. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. Why don't you come tonight? Come tonight. Come. Come tonight. Come tonight. Sense that emptiness. Sense that distance. You need to come tonight. Father loves you. Don't worry about anyone else. Don't worry about the music. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you quietly to, to talk to your Father in heaven. Father, I've done things that are offensive to you. I have grieved your spirit. I've spoken things. I've done things. There's alcohol. There's been drugs. There's been relationships. There's been things that I'm ashamed of. Lord, I just, my finances are a mess. Lord, I, I just listen to the crowd and follow the crowd. I'm connected to all the wrong kind of things. The stuff I watch, stuff I say, stuff I do. Lord, I'm just so ashamed. I've sinned against you. I've done wrong. I've done wrong. There's no excuse. I just did wrong. I thought there was life in it, but there wasn't. I'm like the younger man. I thought if I did all this stuff, I'd feel fulfilled, but I'm not. I'm still empty. Lord, I need you tonight. I need you tonight. Lord, tonight I come to you believing you'll forgive me cleanse me you put a robe of righteousness on me you'll reinstate me and your spirit will begin to flow in my life again I thank you Lord I wonder if there's any tonight and you're not filled with the Holy Ghost so you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost why don't you come to the front if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost why don't you come now if you're not filled with the Spirit of God just come now I need to pray for you get the Holy Ghost in your life I need some leaders just to come up now. I'm going to lead these ones a little prayer. And then we just want you to lay hands on them and just release God's favor to them. Want some men to come up, some women to come up. I want you to come up and I want you to release the love of God into these ones here. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we come to you tonight. Father, we've gone independent and done our own thing and it's hurt our life, our character. Tonight we return to you. I return to you, Lord. Tonight I return to you. Father, I thank you love me. I am ashamed of what I've done. It's wrong. I am so ashamed. I have sinned against you, Father. I've walked away from your purpose from my life. I've abused my potential and my destiny my purpose and I'm suffering the consequences tonight I come back to you I ask you Lord forgive me forgive me for what I've done I'm asking that the blood of Jesus Christ makes me clean right through and I thank you tonight that just as that father received that young man you receive me and weep over me and love me tonight I receive your love receive that reinstatement into your relationship would you lay hands on different ones here just pray for them right now just believe God to just touch their life Father we just thank you right now thank you Lord Father thank you for your anointing thank you for your presence thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Jesus can you feel the presence of God here tonight the presence of God Jesus said I've come to seek and save the lost we need to get that same heart when you walk out those doors, God wants to work through you to represent him, to advance his kingdom, and to reach people who don't know him. That's your purpose. 
It's very simple. Represent God. Be in relationship with Him. Bring His life and power into wherever I am. Bring people to Christ.